Thank you. <clears throat> well, it's lovely to, uh, to be able to dedicate Elissa to the Lord. Is this off? Is that one off? Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, th- 37 years ago, I married Christine, and uh, there were just two of us. And now there are 14 crosses to bear. That's God's way of multiplication. Uh, <coughs> one's enough. Fourteen, not sure about. Anyway, it's great to have a family and great to have them all here today. So I felt it would be good to speak, and it's something I've been thinking about recently, is about the church as the family of God. Um, <coughs> Thank you. I'd like to turn you, if you would, to um, to Ephesians chapter three and verse fourteen. It says this: For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, When I uh, was bringing up my family and within the context of church life, I always sought to see the church as an extension of my family. Now, I don't know whether people agree with that, but that's what we did. In a sense, the church was a a wider expression, sought to treat people the same way in the church that I would my family. And I think there is a scriptural basis for that, in the sense that one of the qualifications for eldership is that a man knows how to look after his own family. He says, how can he look after the, the church, the people of God, if he doesn't know how to look after his own family. And so I see that God is a family man. And if you take nothing else from this talk this morning, take this thought that God is a loving father that cares for his children. And uh, we've been, uh, in Worthing, we've just started a, a series that's going to go on probably until, certainly way into the spring, on the book of Ephesians. You know, the great theme of the book of Ephesians is the church, uh, the cosmic purposes of God through the church. And there are five pictures, well, at least five pictures of the, of the church in Ephesians. In chapter one, you get the body. In chapter two, you get the building. In chapter five, you get the bride. And in chapter 6, you get the army. 
They're all pictures of church. And in chapter 3, you get the family. God's a family man. And his heart is that the church becomes an extension of his, well, as part of his family. And that's where we start this passage that we've just read. We start it in, uh, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family and heaven and earth is named. You know, he's not just talking about local church here, he's saying it's all those that have gone before in heaven and all those on earth now. Who, and he says, what, on what basis are we the family of God? Well, <clears throat> I think you have to sort of define almost what a family is. If I was preaching this 50 years ago, you would have thought a family is a father and a mother and children, that's the family. But we have many expressions of family in our society, single parent family, etc. So almost a family is someone taking responsibility for someone else to their own detriment if necessary. And uh, within a family there's authority to develop individuals. That, there are only my own definitions. You, again, you may disagree with that. But that's what I sense because, you know, you look out in, in the world and you look into street life and people join gangs. Why? Because they feel they belong to it. They feel someone takes care for them. There's a leader and although they might get into very bad stuff, the thing that makes them want to be part of that is the fact they sense the sense of family. Maybe they hadn't found in their natural families. So even a gang is a family. Do you know what the, uh, the most highly rated uh, drama is in America? Anyone know? It's NCIS. Who here watches NCIS? And the thing about NCIS is it's really quite a routine crime drama. There's nothing very special about it. It's basically the same plot most weeks. You get a, a dead marine, usually at the beginning of the, the episode, and then gradually this team of, of sort of investigators works out what's happened and who's done it. But the thing which makes it so popular is the fact that the, the characters, the investigators, investigating team, are, work like a family almost. You have a very strong male lead uh, called Jethro Gibbs who sort of looks after them. He wants very high standards from them, but he, he cares for them and would lay down his life, you feel, for them. And, uh, and then these, these characters, with their, di their different things, it all works together. And, uh, you know, I think, why is it the most highly rated drama on American television? Because basically it's family. That's what people watch it for. They don't, I mean, you can watch hundreds, hundreds of dra crime dramas. But what makes this almost perhaps more uh, popular than any other one is the fact you have a strong sense of family there. A strong, a strong uh, authority figure caring for the others, seeing them develop, things like that. That's what people want deep down. They want to be part of a family. That's what family should be. And that's what God's heart is for us this morning. He, he wants us to be part of his family. And he wants to develop us. He wants to, us to grow and become the people he intends us to be. And he's very loving about it. But you know those first words we read, for this reason I bow my knee 
to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can't really be part of the family of God unless you're prepared to bow the knee to the Father. I surrender yourself and become part of God's family. It says in John's Gospel, it says this. At the beginning it says, He came to his own, that's Jesus, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, sorry, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He says, we've got to bow the knee to our Lord Jesus Christ, to God the Father, and uh, we do that by, by realising our need. We realise that we, we need Jesus. Do you know you need Jesus this morning? Because you can talk about God in some ethereal way, but really the way you enter in to the family of God is when you come on the basis of your need. I need you, Jesus. I, um, I need what you did for me. I bow my knee to you. I surrender myself to you. That's how we come into the family of God. Have you done that this morning? Have you bowed the knee? Or are you just expecting God to be... God is not a sugar daddy. Just doling out sweets and favours. But he is someone that wants you to be part of his family. And he says, well, come on the ground of the cross. Come on the ground of your need of salvation. And if you do that, you can become part of my family. And you'll know my love and care. And it says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You know, we should be proud this morning to be called Christian. Are you proud to be named Christian? Karina Christian. Paula Christian. Helen Christian. Because that's what we're called. We're called by his name. My family are all called Cross. They might not like it, but that's what they're called. Cross. And uh, you're called Christian if you bowed the knee. And you've come and you are under the authority of the Father in heaven. And part of his family. But he goes on to say this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. He wants you to be strong this morning. The purpose of the Father's love to you is to make you strong in his might. You say, I don't feel very strong. Well, no, by yourself, maybe you're not very strong. But that's, the, that's what a father does. He wants to give his children confidence. He wants them to believe that they can achieve where maybe naturally they didn't feel they could. And so what he's done is, this is the way he's done it, we read, the, we read how he's done it in, uh, in Romans, in chapter, in chapter 8. It says this, For as many as were led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father! The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We're going to flick back to that in a minute, but for the moment, it's just this thought really, 
that, the, that he has, the Father has given us a tutor to train us and to help us as we navigate ourselves through life. And he's called the Holy Spirit. And really, the way we're going to fulfill the Father's desires, the way we're going to grow up into the people we ought to be, is when we are prepared to be led by the Spirit. When we make our, our trust, our confidence in his, his prompting, in his leading. Because that's the way the Father does it. He gives us his Spirit. And by his Spirit we can be strengthened to do what we need to do. I guess our guys going to India are going to be a little bit in trepidation. Hey Simon. I bet, I bet Simon's thinking, what am I going to be doing this time next week? <laughs> and I bet there's a sense in him that says, oh, I don't know why I want to do this. I'd much prefer to stay at home and, uh, you know, and love my wife and be part of that family that I've got naturally. But the Spirit is leading these guys to go out. And he will equip them, he will strengthen them. He will give them the courage to, do, to speak what they have to speak, to go to the places they got to speak. I was very encouraged this week. We were on our retreat and uh, I was talking to a guy who goes to Africa a lot. And uh, I said, well, how do you get on you know, with the bad stomachs and all that? You're almost certain to get. He said, well, I haven't got that many, but when I have, the Lord seems to have undertaken and like delayed the plane, you know, really felt the runs coming on. And he had to go on the plane, didn't like going on the plane. So what did he do? He found the plane got delayed, which enabled him to uh, sit in the airport. And, uh, and, and just those, those little touches from the Father's love to him were very encouraging to me. And I think if we give ourselves to God, the Father and his love, then the Spirit of God will lead us and will look after us and we can be sure of that. And we can have courage, courage to do what's right. I'm a, I'm a little bit in trepidation this week because the church in Worthing, it's something they do, and having four days prayer and fasting. I know I haven't fasted for four days for a while and I'm a little bit in trepidation of it. Well, I've decided I'm going to trust the Spirit. And if the Spirit encourages me, I shall go and fast for four days. And if not, then I'll give up. You know, I'm not trying to be a martyr or anything. He doesn't want you to be a martyr. He wants you just to live by the, the witness of the Spirit. That's how you're to live. That's what the Father's done. That's, and people get into trouble because they don't listen to that voice, really. That's when you'll get in trouble, when you don't listen to the voice that God's put within you. Though you say, why, did they, why am I in this mess? I say, well, did you listen to the Spirit? Did you listen to the witness within your heart that God put in within you, in his love? Or have you, are you just going off doing your thing? I'm going to be a great Christian man. But anyway, you'll be a great Christian man or woman is to listen to the Spirit. Because he's the one that's going to train you up. He's like your personal trainer, teaching you the things you need to hear and leading you in the ways that you need to hear. And these guys, when they go to India, they're going to have to listen to the Spirit. They're going to be in, in, in situations they've never been in before. They're going to be in new things which are going to, going to freak them out, maybe. And they're going to have to listen to the Spirit. That's the way the Father will lead them. And he will look after them out there as they go on. So we've got to listen to the Spirit. 
It goes on to say this, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. You see, it's as we move in faith, we discover the power of Christ in us. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You know, the whole purpose of God's fatherly love to you is that you might know how much he loves you. You might understand it, you know, day by day. That sense that Father loves me today. And my life might not, I might not be going to India. I might have to just go to work tomorrow and just the ordinary problems of life. The Spirit wants to lead you and wants to show his love to you. Do you know what? I had a, a little thing this week and it's only a silly little thing happened to me. Um, I'm sorry to be so, I always sense trivial and banal, but I believe this, we've got to believe that God, God loves us this much. Is that, you know, it, my, Chris's birthday was on Friday and I hadn't bought her anything for her birthday. I wasn't going to buy anything big. I was going to buy something big with her, for her, um, you know, with her. And so I thought on Thursday, I'll go out and I'll just get a little token of my love. Nothing very much, but I didn't know what on earth to buy her. Just a token of love. And I was walking up, we have some shops just around the corner from us. So we went and went up one side of shops, didn't see anything, really grabbed me. I was saying, Lord, please show me something that I can give Christine. And I was going back down the other side. And eventually I went in this card shop. I'd already bought a card. And there was this scarf. And I thought, that's it. Just something in my heart said, that's it. And I asked the Lord. Now you say, well, yeah, ask the Lord. You've just got to buy someone a present. Ask the Lord. Let him lead you. And I think, I love all you, that scarf. Haven't got it today. Have you? In the other bag, yeah. I should have told you to wear it. It, didn't, it doesn't match your colours today, but there we are. But I just think we've got to believe that God loves us enough to, to, to lead us to buy a right, the right present. You know, he loves you that much. Just as the ordinary, everyday things of life he wants to help you with. Because the whole purpose is to train you and teach you how much he loves you. That you can rely on him. You, he is for you this morning. For all his children, he is a loving father. And of course, a lot of us, our, our images of God are governed by our natural father. That's a, a problem for some of us. If our natural father hasn't been very loving, we're going to struggle, perhaps, for, for a while to really discover the love of God. But let be led by the Spirit. And as we're led by the Spirit, he will lead us to realise just how much God loves us. Just what a loving father is. And so he leads us on. You know, the, the wonderful thing about <coughs> uh, God the Father, I had three children. I didn't choose that they were boys. I didn't choose that they were, uh, you know, that they were skinny. <laughs> Could have said, well, you know, I want a big hunky rugby player. But none of them ended up like that. Uh, you just get what you got, don't you? But God, but when if you adopt someone, you can choose. You can choose whether a boy or a girl. You can choose what colour they are, can't you? And God has adopted us, so He's chosen you this morning. He saw you before the foundation of the world, and He said, "I want him. I want her. 
I want that one. That's what he said in his heart. He's chosen you. And he's adopted you. He's taken responsibility for you. This is the wonderful heart of God to you this morning. And so, doesn't that make us thrilled that God loves us so much? And as we read in, in that passage in Romans, it says, if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This is an amazing thing. If you're a child of God, you're a joint heir with Christ. You know what a joint heir means? It means you've got the same rights. It means you've got the same privileges. It means that, you know, when, my, when I die, we, most of our money is split between our three boys equally. That's what will happen. So don't get any ideas. But, and that's, but it's true. You've got joint air with Jesus. God's going to give you what he's going to give to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's the privilege of being a child of God and being part of the family of God. Joint air. I had an amazing thing. I mean, we were on this retreat and there's Wildens sort of chipped in on Monday night and it blew me away, what he said. He said this, you can have the same prayer life as Jesus. Wow. But if you think about it, if he's a father to me and I'm a joint heir with him, I've got the same privileges as Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Well, I think it's amazing anyway. For it goes on to say in our passage in Ephesians that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's God's heart for you this morning, to be filled with all the fullness of God. Wasn't Jesus filled with all the fullness of God? He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, it says in the Colossians. He had the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And, and, and you've got the fullness. Of, God's will for you this morning is that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Say, Amen, I'm having some of that. I want to be filled with that. But then it says this in Romans. It says, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. You know, the whole point, a good parent will discipline his children. I've lived with my two sets of uh, grandchildren for 24 hours each in the last two days. And I tell you, there's a bit of raising of voices at times. There's a bit of telling off. There's a bit of threat, threatening that go on in family life. Totally normally in family life. And you know what? God's like that with you. God's going to tell you off. We don't like being told off, do we? But that's what he will do. That's what a good parent does. He will rebuke you. He will put you through situations where you have to suffer even. Because you know, often that's the only way you can fulfil your potential, is to suffer. Go and ask Andy Murray. How has he become number one tennis player in the world? I'll tell you why, he suffered for it. When he was 14, he left home and went to Barcelona and practised on his own. Even now, two weeks before Christmas, he would have been doing running and running and running 
developing his muscles strength and depth. So that when he's in a long hard match, in the middle of the season, he'll have the strength to win. That's how he's got to number one. And God wants you to be number one. Not a number one tennis player. I doubt. But he wants you to be number one in what you can be. And so he's going to put you through things. He's going to discipline you. You're going to suffer at times. Say, why is this happening to me? And it's the Father's love at work. The Father's love developing you. Bring you to the person you, God wants you to be. Isn't he wonderful? I learned, when we were seeking to move house and things weren't working out, he's got, she's got the scarf. Isn't that a nice scarf? The Lord led me to. Uh, when we were seeking to move house and things weren't working out, I said, Lord, why isn't it working out? You know, everything seems right. It seems right for us to move. I learned something. <coughs> I learned to praise God. I realised that you know, when it's not working out, praise him. Thank him. He's a loving Heavenly Father. doesn't matter if your life isn't working out. Praise him. Rejoice. He is in charge. He's in control. He knows what he is doing. Things will work out in his timing. We have to believe that. We are to believe that. But some of that, his timing will involve, it says this in, in Hebrews, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. These are the words of scripture. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's God the Father. That's the loving Father. He's going to train you. He's going to develop in you the peaceable fruits of righteousness. How is he going to do it? He's going to take you through suffering at times going to put you through difficulties, going to make you scream, not because he wants to flip pain on you, <coughs> because he's got a greater end in view, and we've got to believe that. That's his father's heart. Every father puts his wants his children to develop their potential, and God is no different with you. He wants you to develop potential in the kingdom, and he's going to work through it. How are we doing for time? Half past. I better finish. Now to him who is able to be exceedingly, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What's the thing when we think about children and the Father? What's the thing we think about? We think, well, actually, they ask. You know, children don't have a problem with asking their parents for nice Christmas presents. Well, I hope they don't. I hope your children are free to ask you for an almost impossible Christmas present. I hope they don't feel you're so stingy to them. I'm sure you're not. That you won't, you won't do your best for them. And we've got to see that it's our great privilege as, as being part of the family of God to ask, to ask him. For he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. All that you think he's able to do. He can do more than you can think. 
That's the Father we have in heaven. So why do you find prayer difficult? I think part of the reason we find prayer difficult is that we think it's some sort of great shopping list that we have to get work ourselves up for and ask God about. I don't think that's... That, well, might be a part of prayer. But really, the heart of prayer is the heart of a child towards his father. You know, just, what do you do with your father? You just tell him what you think. That's what kids should do. I want this, father. I'd like this to happen, father. It's just spontaneous. I think we relegate prayer to some sort of technical activity that requires great skill or great intensity. And it's not. It's just you being honest with God, with your Father, and discovering his love. (coughs) Have you discovered how much he loves you? I'll close with a scripture from John's Gospel. It says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done to you. For by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I've made a conscious decision at the beginning of this year to just spend more time just being with God. Just being as I am with God and just being spontaneous with God, and not feeling I've got to, to pray through great lists all the time. But I find the Spirit actually leads you to pray at times specifically for different things. And this is it. This is the way your Father is glorified, because you ask and you receive what you ask for. We mustn't be frightened to ask. We mustn't be frightened to pray. Because that's by that our Father is glorified. He doesn't mind you asking. He doesn't mind how silly it might be. You, you parents, do you mind your, pet, your child asking you for something for Christmas? I doubt it. You say, well, you might be, he throws you on God, because like it happened to us once, won't go into that now. When Peter asked for a bike, we couldn't provide, we hadn't got the money for a bike. It threw us on God, but God answered the prayer. Our prayer. But have we lost confidence in God? Have we lost confidence in our Father that He can answer? Because He can. He can do far more exceedingly above all that we ask or think. And by this He will be glorified when our prayers are answered. But He says, Abide in my word. Didn't it? it said that's what we could do. We've got to keep walking with the Spirit. Just keep in tune with the Spirit of God. Just keep walking day by day. And believe that our Father wants to answer the, your prayers, the things that rise up in your heart that you want to see happen. He will do it. He will do it. We mustn't think He's hard. Maybe our own Father's been a bit harsh to us. Maybe He's abandoned us. Maybe we've struggled with with issues like that. But I want to tell you, your Father in heaven is not like that. Your Father in heaven is for you. Your Father in heaven wants to answer your prayers. And maybe you don't pray pray because 
you lost confidence, well, let me encourage you this morning. Have confidence in God the Father. He wants to be, prove himself to you. He wants to show that he loves you. He wants to prove how much he cares. That's his heart this morning. And if you only let him do it, if you only let him lead you in ways, he will prove himself time and time and time again. And you'll gain, you don't gain confidence in yourself. It's not that I've become a great prayer now and somehow i found great keys to unlock the answers. No, I just come as a child. I never move away from that place of being a child. Little Alyssa, when she's hungry, she'll cry. <laughs> she cries in the night when she wants, when she shouldn't. But does, does Alice mind? Well, no, she just says, I'll just leave her. <laughs> just leave her to cry. She'll have to learn. And maybe we've got to learn. But let's not be frightened to cry. Let's not be frightened and get all, all bound up and say, oh, well, God doesn't love me. Yes, he does. Don't be so proud. Come and just come to him. Come and believe he's your loving father and that he wants to, he wants to bless you. He wants to give to you. This is our God. This is the God we, we worship. This is our God we praise. I don't know how, we, how we're meant to finish. Uh, do you have a prayer, prayer team or something, Simon?